Scott McLaughlin, who's uh, digging in the corners for WEI.com to uh, talk some pucks. I would dare say he and Bridget make up the uh, hockey department here at uh, WEI. And uh, at S. McLaughlin 9 on Twitter, please give him a follow and read him at uh, WEI.com. Surprised that Taylor Hall was moved first, Scott. No, not surprised because they had to move. Someone had to move, and really multiple someones because they still have to clear more money. Uh, you're still looking at that left side of the defense where you have Grizzly, 3.8 million, Mike Riley, and Derek Forbert, 3 million each. One of those guys is still going in some form or another, whether it's a, a trade or possibly a buyout for Mike Riley. And then there had to be a bigger salary moving. So Taylor Hall was one obvious option. You know, Linus Allmark's name pops up. Um, you know, you could possibly throw Jake DeBrusque or a Charlie Coyle in there, although those seemed like longer shots. So Hollow always made sense. You know, I didn't I, I don't know that I would have bet on it being the very first move, but it's not it's not super surprising. Uh to find a deal where you move him without having to retain any salary or include any draft picks or prospects or anything like I can't say it was a good deal because I do think Taylor Hall is still a good player who has value and you're getting very little in return. It was just a but, straight dump. But it was a necessary move yeah. for sure. So, I mean, okay, so what's the uh, the shrapnel effect to that then? Is is there a benefit to them other than a salary dump? Like what's what's the what's the upside with the amount of money that is left? Is it a, a signing somebody that's already on your roster and if that is so, who would that be? Well, the most obvious connection to make is that it now allows them to re-sign Tyler Bertuzzi, who they really like and is, by all accounts, a priority for them this offseason. They liked the way that he played when he came in at the trade deadline. They liked the way he gets to the net front, scores greasy goals, which they've been looking for. He had some chemistry with David Pasternak. So naturally you would say, okay, well, you take that Taylor Hall money and now you use that to try to sign Tyler Bertuzzi ideally before free agency begins on July 1st and he hits the open market because he would have a lot of interest. He would be one of the top free agent forwards on the market. So if you're the Bruins and you want to lock him up now this week before you get to Saturday, and it seems like that's probably where that money's going to go, but there are other options. Like they, if Bergeron and Krejci both retire, they could potentially use that on a center. So um, Bertuzzi would be the number one option, but it, it just gives them more flexibility now to add to their roster and just to fill out their roster. Like they needed, they need to free up money just to fill an NHL roster. Right, but isn't isn't Bergeron like like the most important thing to kind of figure out? Like, don't you need to know from him? Hey, what is your plan so they can kind of because I, I feel like you're talking about they have all this, they have a certain amount of money, they have to somehow somehow figure out how they can kind of you know cash this out and pay guys. And it's they're limited as it is with 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 a lot of spots. Yeah, and I th- I'm guessing that they already know what Patrice Bergeron's decision is. Same. And what do you think Brady. that is? I think he's coming back. I I, I feel like it's close to fifty fifty, but I maybe lean fifty one percent him coming back, just because he's still so good. He just won his sixth Selkie Trophy. Like it's Christian. You probably know this. Like it, it's hard for an athlete to walk away when they're still really good because. Once you do that, that doesn't come back. So, and, and my issue with that is, let's say he does, he's already given them the, the whole hometown discount. You're gonna tell me a, a, 
a self coming off a award winning year, he's going to take a hometown discount again. Yes, I, I think he would because I think. Oh my god, he's 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 crazy. <laughs> well, guess what? This is stupid. It's either that or he just doesn't go somewhere else. Well, that's the thing. It's either that or he doesn't play because he said he doesn't want to go play anywhere. Oh, else. Oh, change your mind. It's okay. Everybody changes their mind. No, nope, I think that's nuts. He's loyal. Like all, all no, he wants- it's that loyalty and stupidity sometimes are go hand in hand. Fair enough, but all he wants to do at this point is win another cup. And right. obviously oh. they they felt like they had a great chance this year and came up very short. But if he comes back and you you, know, you think they're closer, they would be closer this coming year than they were last year. So if no, his whole goal not, is to win a cup, they're not going to be as deep. So no, the roster won't be as good on paper. Yeah, so they, pay and they they certainly won't win as many games or have as many points. But as we saw this year, you don't have to be the president's trophy winner or the most talented roster to win a Stanley Cup or make right. a run. You just got to put it together and be playing well at, at the perfect Man. time. Scott, I think that is dumb. Scott McLaughlin of uh, WEI.com. He is the hockey department here, uh, breaking it down with Gresham Fourier. Well, Fourier, so what do you want Bergeron to do? You want him to storm the castle and say, Charlie McAvoy's making $9.5 I don't care. He's one of the best defensemen away younger than me. Wow, I want my money. Yes. <laughs> that is not happening, yes. clearly. Well, but okay. So, what did he make? A million dollars? So more, more he wound that. up making three and a half with the bonuses, and then and the he's bonuses. What? Oh, if he were just on the if open market a- looking for the highest bidder, he could get nine, nine ten million. Mm-hmm. He could, but okay. you're gonna go play in uh, Arizona. But you're gonna go play in Arizona. Why does or it you're going to go? Why can't it be another contending team? Well, that well, is none of the other contenders have cap space either. They're yeah, all exactly. in similar situations. Mm. Yeah, the cap situation in the NHL is way different than it is in other sports. And let's remember, too, whatever you're going to pay Bergeron, there's still the tax that you're paying this year from last year. So if you bring him in, it's, say, $3 million. You st- he's really more like a $5 million player because you have Four and a half million between uh, Bergeron and Krejci that you can't use this year, so it's got to count if you bring that guy back. And then there's just the well, it's two million laying around for Krejci. So if you really combine them all together, if say Bergeron came back for three, three and a half million, you got four and a half that was dead connected to both of those guys. You're essentially still looking at Bergeron as a seven million dollar player because the money you can't use. Yeah, and I, and I think. Bergeron understands all that is like he knows how the bonus overages and all that stuff mm-hmm. works. Like that's when I say like Sweeney, I think already knows his decision. Last year, Bergeron let him know before July first, before free agency started, and they do a very good job over there of not leaking stuff because it didn't get officially announced until August eighth. So for over a month, they knew what Bergeron wanted to do, and Bergeron and Krejci didn't sign those contracts until everything else was sorted out, and it was. Here's exactly how much money we can give you now versus bonuses towards next year. Like, they gave Sweeney the luxury of figuring everything else out first and then fitting in their contracts where they could. And and that's, and I, and I that's think Bergeron why I think would the, do that again. And that's why I think the money now matters because Don Sweeney's got to know if I need to set aside two and a half or two million, whatever it would be, for Bergeron this year. He's still got to put the rest of the roster together, which, Scott, leads to what's next. Is it a defenseman? Do you move Allmark now at a really high point? Because I wonder, I mean, they're, they're, uh, the Bruins are at a round. Let's go, uh, I'll sell it short, about $10 million in space now. 
if they move on from Riley, add another million eight or whatever it would be. If you move Allmark now as a Vezina winner at $5 million and say you bring back $8 million in player money, you've now given yourself the ability to have more room to maybe maximize an asset like that. But is that too big a piece to trade, and do they go defenseman? I don't think it's too big to trade Allmark. I think that's still on the table. It's it's not as necessary now that you've already moved Hall, mm-hmm. which gives the Bruins some negotiating power because now if they're talking to other teams and someone says, oh, we're only going to give you a, you know, a third-round pick and a mid-tier prospect because we know you have to move out money, well, now the Bruins can walk away and say, well, we already moved one big contract. You know what? If that's all we can get for Allmark, we're going to walk away and, and hang on to him. So they have some flexibility, but if they – if they find the right trade for Allmark, I still think he absolutely could be on the move uh, because they need that money to address needs elsewhere. With Hall out, they now only have six forwards signed to NHL contracts. So that's six forwards you got to bring in somewhere. And even if those are AHL guys, you know, rookies competing for spots. Beach Yeah, those guys still carry capits of 800000 900000 It's not like they're free. So uh, they still need to move some money somewhere. And if they're going to make any significant additions – then, yeah, you still look at Allmark potentially being on the on the table. So, okay, so so that's obviously one aspect of it. So out of the other guys that they brought in during the trade deadline, um, I'm assuming, I think Orlov, Hathaway, and Bertuzzi, all free agents? Yep. So out of the, all those three guys, the only guy that it looks like they may keep is Bertuzzi? I think that they would like to keep Garnet Hathaway as well. It depends on whether he's going to be cheap or if he's looking – you know, he's in his early 30s. He could be looking to, hey, can I cash in, make some real money one last time? Um, but he's from Maine. He definitely likes it here. So maybe he comes back on a hometown discount and sticks around. I know they do like him as a player and would like to keep him. They they really like Dmitry Orlov as well. Mm. I just don't see how they find a way to make that work. He's going to be arguably the top defenseman on the free agent market. He's looking for that one last paid egg, another guy in his early 30s. And he'll get it from someone, and I just don't see how the Bruins have enough money to lock him up. So he's the one I would say it certainly seems like there's you know very little chance of him being back. Bertuzzi and Hathaway, I could see both being back potentially. Scott McLaughlin to WEI.com here with Gresham Fourier talking some uh, Bruins hockey quickly. Uh, Merkulov, Beecher, Lysel, all those guys are down on the farm. Is the fourth line just going to be the first line from the AHL group, or what are you what are you thinking in terms of how Sweeney is going to be able to sort of put together the fourth line and balancing the needs of some of those youngs that might need a little more time? Yeah, there's definitely going to be some young guys who get a shot. Uh, AJ Greer is still around; he's one of the six forwards actually still signed. So you know he did a pretty solid job on the fourth line last year. So he's there. Uh, Jacob Lauko is a restricted free agent. He will presumably be back. He started to establish himself at the NHL level, so there's another guy, whether it's third or fourth line. And then, yeah, there's going to be guys down from the AHL who are going to get a shot. You know, uh, Mark McLaughlin was a guy who many thought was going to make the team out of camp last year and ended up having to go down to Providence and spent the year there other than like a one or two game call up. Are you rooting uh, for your brother there? Uh, of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not actual brother, but is also from Dorica. So we we are oh, we do have that connection. Yeah. All right, so your cousins. We'll yeah. work with <laughs> yeah. that then. There you go. Um so he'll get a shot and then yeah, you mentioned Beecher, Merkulov. Georgie Merkulov had a great season in the AHL. He's probably not like ideally suited to a fourth line. 
Um, at least not the way the Bruins have traditionally used theirs in like a more defensive role. But if they were willing to shift that and give that fourth line more offensive opportunities, he could absolutely plug in there, and that's how he breaks into the NHL. So um, how important is it for this team moving forward uh, not to finish first in NHL? Like, how important is it for them not to be the best to ever do it during the regular season? Yeah, well, I don't think that's going to be a problem because they're just, <laughs> they're, they're, they're not going to have as deep of a team, so I can't imagine them running away from everyone like that again. Um, you know, and that that's probably a good thing. Like, take some pressure off. Don't go through everything they went through this season because I do think that's part of – it doesn't totally explain the first-round collapse by any means, but I think – there was pressure, and like I think that did kind of get to them a little bit. So I think if you can go through a regular season a little more relaxed, a little more under the radar, less not successful, have, yeah, not have like all that weight of history on you and all of that. I think that's probably a good thing. So tomorrow night is the early part of the draft in Nashville. The Bruins draft went Friday. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, August. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, so they have uh, they don't have a first or second round pick. They do have a, a I think a third, a fourth, a sixth, and two sevenths. So Man, they're, they they're, they're going to be waiting around. A they while. don't have a one or a two and four and a half million in and, cap overage. If oh, this were Belichick, people'd be screaming for his job. Oh, and by the way, next year they don't have a one, two, or three. Oh, so. sweet Jesus! So there you <laughs> that's, go. That's what happens when you go all in. Well, that's also why you got to clear out some money because that's where those youngs in Providence have got to kind of factor in, and you're you're going to have to supplement some veterans in this year or. You're just going to have to have those kids come up and play. And that leads to my last question. Do you think Jim Montgomery puts whatever his imprint would be on this team next year? Whereas he walked into a, hey, we're going to give you maybe not a super team, but something pretty damn close to it. Whereas now it's a little different. How do you think the coach plays into all this? Yeah, I think he he definitely can put his imprint on it. And I almost think he's, He's better suited to a team that has some young guys working into the mix. Like he has always worked with yes, some veterans, but also younger teams. Like he came up, he was a coach in the USHL, then college hockey, wins a national title at Denver. Like that was really his strength once he started moving to the NHL. And in Dallas, he had guys like Rupe Hintz, who's turned into a star, and Mira Heiskinen on the blue line, who's a top defenseman now. St. Louis, he helped guys like Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas break out. So he seems to really be suited. Like, if you had to list Jim Montgomery's strengths, one is the communication everyone hears about, and two would be his work with young players. And last year's Bruins team just didn't have a lot of young players. It was a very veteran-heavy roster. And I think that was a new thing for him, to be in charge of that kind of team with that much veteran leadership and all those expectations. Um, I almost think, like, it'll – It'll suit him as well if they're a little younger and there's a little more kind of molding that he can do. Quickly, if Bergeron doesn't come back, uh, McAvoy gets the C? I think Martian would get it first okay. for, for a couple of years, and then it would be probably McAvoy, maybe Pasternak. Who, decide, who decides on it? Is that a coach's decision or is it like voting? U- usually it's left up to players. Coach will have some say, but for the most part they leave it up to players. It's not like in the NFL where Belichick just says, okay, you're the captain. Well, no, that is the only situation where that happens. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I swear to God, I polled everybody. Nobody voted for Dan Graham.
<laughs> Scott McLaughlin at WEEI.com. He and uh, Bridget are the hockey department here. And, of course, things are going to be kicking up over the uh, next couple of days because, of course, we've got the draft. And then we go uh, full steam ahead into free agency. Scott, thank you. Now yes. you got to go back Thanks, upstairs buddy. to the smelly floor. <laughs> yeah, with the empty floor. Yeah, well, the empty floor. There's nothing yeah. up there. <laughs> is there really nothing up there? I haven't been up there, there forever. There, there's not much, yeah. The second floor here is pretty pretty empty. Is the elevator working, though? Oh, I don't know. I know you're not a steps I mean, guy. <laughs> I can take the steps, Greg. I can, you get, can. I can, get, I can get a little bit of exercise. You, get, you know what? You just shimed yourself. <laughs> I can take the steps, but I whether you not do. To. Yeah. <laughs> That's right.